0: Newsweek presents The Debate with Andrew Tolman.
1: Everything 100% of the time, 24 hours a day is a negotiation. Raheem Brooks. This is a common good that we are talking about.
0: Amani
2: wells Yoha. I'm completely fed up with whether it's politicized or not. And Jeff Charles.
0: That distracts us from actually rolling up our sleeves. The Debate starts now.
2: Today, I wanted to talk to you guys about the 2024 election poll results that have been coming in from the ABC poll and the Washington Post poll. And I am frankly not shocked in the slightest bit. I'm just appalled that this is the matchup that we are going to see again. And it's the one that nobody wanted. Nobody's excited about me particularly. (laughs) And I would love to get y'all's input on it. So in the Democratic Party, Biden's approval rating is in the 30s. And there was a poll question that said, this is the one that stood out to me the most, it said, do you have like nothing to say? Maybe you don't care either way it goes. There was a line that said somebody else. And then there was a line that said Biden and the Biden line had, I believe it was 33 percent. The somebody else line, the nameless somebody else line had 58 percent support. Uh (laughs) Which blew my mind because this is an internal Democratic poll, yet we saw those results and still chose to put him up against um, either Trump or DeSantis. And in the same poll, they matched him up against DeSantis, and it was still Biden losing by seven to eight points. And then they matched him up again to Trump, and he was losing by like eight or nine points. So ultimately, it's not looking very great for us. And instead of giving you know good feedback or instead of seeing those results and kind of tailoring their electoral messaging and their campaign messaging moving forward, the Democrats are kind of digging their heels into the dirt and just being like, I don't see it. You don't know me. We are the very best. And as a Democrat and a progressive, I'm a little shooked by that. So, Rakeem, I want to hear your thoughts.
3: Yeah, well, I think The Daily or someone did a pretty good pitch on why this is the case. So the Democrats' theory of victory is that the Republicans have got to sweep Georgia, Arizona and Wisconsin. Democrats have only got to win one. And if that's your math, then this national poll doesn't really bother you all that much because when push comes to shove, people may dislike Biden, that 50%. And I would put myself in the category of someone who's sort of like, he's done a good job, but is there really nobody else? Aren't we at a stage? Like, okay. But if that's ultimately the nominee of the party and he's up against Trump or DeSantis, that 50% will fall in line, just as folks did behind Trump. And they'll be back to their original math, which is they've only got to win one of those states. And so I think when we play out presidential politics as sort of pageantry, and we really want to be excited about who the winner is going to be, who's going to be crowned next president of the United States, then it's sort of unsatisfying. But if you're a hardcore political
1: operative and knows that your odds, you take those nine times out of 10. I remember remember in in the last round that a lot of Democrats were very unhappy with the selection and the previous round before that. But I think Rakeem's got it right that. And Republicans, too, you may hate the, the one that you got selected for you and you're going to have to vote, but you will always vote for that guy over the other person or that girl for the, over the other person that the the frustration factor about, you know, preferring to have uh, Mr. Somebody else, you know, bless his name, uh, is not, you know, is not available. And so your frustrations with this person don't mount up to enough for you to abandon the party entirely when push comes to shove in the general. It seems to me.
2: My biggest fear is that it's going to end up turning into another 2016 type of situation with Hillary Clinton. And you're just going to have people who are just like, I don't want this. So I'm going to sit it out. And I don't want us to underestimate that very real possibility. I think ultimately my feelings on the poll are I'm just sad that this is the state of politics right now. I'm just sad that so much of people's own base are not excited about their they're they're chosen one they're one they're not having a strong belief in the system they're not passionate and they're feeling so unheard and that's what's ultimately the most sad for me because it's like you hear anybody on the republican side and on the democratic side like oh, we just kind of here right now for this matchup that we didn't really want but we're going to do what we have to do and i think that's something that we should start challenging um as voters and as people who participate in this political structure to not just go along with them because we must but like let's stand up for ourselves let's advocate for better leadership You think, Jim?
0: Yeah. So to me, I can't imagine why people wouldn't be excited about the prospect of having two geriatric authoritarians beat each other up in the 2024 election. (laughs) I mean, here's my thing like, I I don't want people to be excited about politicians. We shouldn't be excited about these people. They're supposed to work for us, they're supposed to be protecting our rights. And nine times out of 10, they don't. So I I know I'm being more of a Debbie Downer here, but I'll argue it from Trump's point of view, the Republican point of view. I think that if Trump gets a nomination, which he probably will, I think that that will actually have a big turnout because Democrats are going to turn up because they hate Trump. He inspires a lot of hatred in them, probably more than DeSantis, although I think DeSantis, depending on how they they, they approach things, he might not generate that level of hate. But at the same time, his base wants revenge. A lot of his base thinks that that he should still be the president. So that's going to be a high turnout as well. But I will say this, if Trump doesn't get the nomination, uh, Biden's going to win because uh, and I don't know if I said on the show before, but if they run a DeSantis or somebody else, Trump is not going to throw his support behind anybody other than himself. He will burn things down as much as he can on the way out and it's going to hurt. So so uh, Democrats, well, we don't have any evidence that, that, that he's race.
1: doing that now. He's certainly willing to play with everybody. Nice, even with an undeclared DeSantis. I don't know what you're talking about. Jeff. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, and then in the other thing, this also shows how little these two parties care about what we think. I mean, Democrats said that they're not going to do debates. We talked about that, Amani, before. They're not going to do debates with Biden because they don't want anybody challenging him. And on the Republican side, there's going to be debates probably, but Trump is saying is threatening to pull out. And if he does, he's still going to have the support of his base. So to me, again, it's just what what I do like about this. The silver lining is that if these two men go up against each other again when nobody really wants them to, because on the Republican side, a lot of people don't want Trump to run again, even if they like him. It's going to show how broken our system is. And I think people need to start waking up to that.
2: Yes, that, that is the biggest lesson in all of this. This stuff does not work how it should. It just doesn't work. We have so many people siloed in their own mindsets and their own opinions and their own theories of life and nothing is working. And as somebody who works on campaigns like on a daily basis I'm even seeing it in the quality of candidates down the ballot. Like people are so focused on these one particular reasons why they're doing this. And a lot of it has to do with ego. A lot of it has to do with power. And not a whole lot of it has to do with actual governing and representing this group of people. And when I look at the DNC and the RNC on a mass scale and I see like how the leadership is chosen, because at this point, that's just what it seems like. When we look back on the presidential primaries of 2020, when they just said everybody drop out, it's going to be Biden and just keep forcing people's hands. That is not democracy. What do y'all think?
3: Oh, I don't. I don't think they said that everybody drop out is going to be Biden. I think Pete Buttigieg said, "Am I likely to win this, or is President Biden likely to win this, and do I want a cabinet position?" And so he dropped out. Maybe Klobuchar said the same thing. For
2: personal reasons again. You were oh, about sure. Biden. Oh right, yeah, but our, but but all of our.
3: I mean. All of our founding documents anticipate that. So I guess I'm not caught up in it, right? Ambition meant to counteract ambition. You're trying to channel people's ambition, right? The nature of people is that they want to be remembered and they will do the things necessary to be remembered. But I sort of feel like you all, I mean, Jefferson called Biden an authoritarian. I'm not sure where that's from, but I'm sure he'll inform me. But the president has actually done a decent job governing the country by most measures. Like I think by any objective measure, if you asked a, a president or a politician in either party, would you want as many legislative victories as he achieves? Which is just to say that your party was able to achieve the thing that it wanted. Joe Biden, by his own measure, by the measure of the Democratic Party, has done a good job. And so even though people aren't excited about him, I actually think that has very little to do with Joe Biden as uh, an efficient politician, it has to do with Joe Biden as an 80-year-old you know, potential president. And people are looking at that and saying, like, I don't want Gramps to run the country. But I also have to remind people like your grandparents are not the president of the United States. They don't have access to the same health care, the same secret service, the same set of accoutrement that allows you to be uh, agile mentally for some period of time. So while I think there are declines, of course, and with the and what's happening with the president, he hasn't been a bad president. And so the party would be wise to renominate someone who managed to pull together an electoral coalition and defeat the last guy, particularly if the last guy is going to be who the party puts up again. That's a winning
1: strategy. Do you think think Biden and Trump debate? I mean, do you think that I I think Trump would be licking his chops to get into a debate with Joe Biden? And I think Joe Biden would be a fool to go on a public stage and debate President Trump. He has to. Uh, Right. He has to. But I mean, it can't possibly work for him. Right. Given his general poor performance in public appearances that are unscripted, where he's got to come up with the answers himself. You know, he's great on a teleprompter, let's say, or with the cue card that tells him, you know, which of the three journalists he's going to call on next with a picture and a diagram. But, you know, in the actual debate where he's just got to stand there and be brilliant by himself, there's nobody going to tell him
0: that's a good plan, right? None of his advisors. That definitely won't work in his favor. Now, it doesn't mean that he won't still win. But yeah, if, if you're Trump right now, you want to get on a stage with Biden three times at least because Trump will rip him to shreds. And hopefully he's learned his lesson from the past debates, the, the, from the mistakes he made. But I mean, if you're team Trump, you want that. If you're team Biden, you're wishing that there was a way to skip it. But there's not. Now, again, the debates may not even matter when it comes to how people vote. But I mean, as far as the optics go, it's Trump's to lose at this point
3: ask a similar question? Does Trump want
1: to debate the other Republican candidates? Oh, man. Uh, You
3: know,
0: I I don't know. (laughs) So I would say,
1: like, on the one hand, yes, because his track record is buzzsaw winning. Mm -hmm. Right. But in terms of he if you ask him, the the answer is probably he would love to. But then why is he playing this game of I'm not going to because it's biased against me? Right. If that if he's saying that, that's because he doesn't really want to or because he recognizes he's weak debating against uh, DeSantis or even against some of the other candidates who aren't necessarily the front
0: runner. I don't know. I don't think DeSantis is ready for Trump. DeSantis has only (laughs) gone against the left. He hasn't really gone against anybody else on the right. I think Trump wants to debate, but, you know, he likes to play games. But I mean, he's going to want to get on that stage, give people all these nicknames. He's going to want to do Trump. His ego is too big to not get on a stage and say what he needs to say and attack the people that are going against him.
2: I think DeSantis, his whole positioning has been like, how can I out Trump Trump? And so it's like when you uh, if y'all remember Cat Williams, the comedian, he said, if you pull the Chrysler up, a Chrysler 300 look just like a Phantom until a Phantom pulls up. OK, the cars look very similar. So we got your Chrysler 300 and then we got the Phantom, the Maybach. All right. It's, sure. Once you put them right next to each other, you're going to be able to see who's really who.
3: Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. Uh, but, about you know, one of the things I'm thinking about is, OK, so the poll really concerned you. Yeah. Uh, who else could it have been? Because my concern was if Biden, you. Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, if, if Biden didn't run, my concern was that we were in a 1968 kind of situation where Lyndon Johnson should have run for president. We let everybody else run for president. Now, we couldn't know Bobby was going to get shot and all sorts of other things. But we basically abandoned incumbency. You don't abandon incumbency as and the I'm, party in power. You just don't do that. And, and so
2: I'm glad you brought this up because my ultimate criticism is me and my pen. My ultimate criticism is for the DNC. They are trying to hang on to the glory days of 2008 Obama by forcing Joe Biden on us because he was his running mate back then and he was his VP. Y'all have all the power, money, and connections in the nation. Find better leadership, kingmaker, find y'all somebody, prop them up, invest in leadership skills, (laughs) invest in giving them positions of power. All of this, think about how vast the political system is. You got county commissioners, you got city councilmen, you have state legislators, you have people on the federal level, in the House, in the Senate. You telling me it's nobody that y'all can find that y'all want to invest the proper leadership skills and training into that you can prop up and position to be the next president? Y'all going to force again? No shade, no tea. I'm not ages. But y'all are going to force us to play these games with people who've been doing this for 50 years. He's been a legislator for a very long time. There's no excuse for not finding somebody new. Y'all got what's their excuse? Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, it's a it very, any- it really high profile Democrat governors. I mean, other than Gavin Newsom is the only one that really comes to mind. I mean, maybe I was going to bring him out Michigan, but. Who would you turn to? And, and I have a really, really uh, strong bias against putting legislators in the White House. I just think that, you know, that's an administrative executive position. And I want somebody who knows how to run an organization. And just because, you know, you can uh, speak in committee or on the floor, uh, that does not make you an effective administrator. So I have a, anybody who's only been a legislator. I'm against them. But who's the governor who's wanting it? I mean, Newsom, obviously, be one Jeff, you were going to talk about that. that that's kind of your idea.
0: Yeah, I mean, and when I was even agnostic on Biden running, I was I was saying, you know, if he doesn't run, then I think Democrats are going to go with somebody like Gavin Newsom, because who else do they have? Now, I'm not saying they don't have anybody, but I'm saying that as far as on the national stage, they don't really have anybody that has enough charisma to do what needs to be done. Unless, because we have to remember Obama, Obama kind of came out of nowhere, right? I mean, a lot of people didn't even know who he was until he started going through the primaries. So they would have to have somebody like that. But again, I mean, they're, they're like Amani said, they're going to force Biden on y'all. <laughs> I mean, that's just what it is. Now, he may step down somewhere in the second term and you'll have uh, Kamala Harris. I don't know how y'all feel about that, though.
2: Don't even get me started. That was a whole missed (laughs) opportunity in itself. Again, it's like when I look back on 2020, they—I feel tricked, I feel bamboozled, and I feel speckledorf. I feel lied to, (laughs) and speckledorfed? I I love that because (laughs) I've been led astray. The whole point of even putting Kamala there because they was trying to gaslight us into seeing that Biden wouldn't run again and that she was going to run for president. Am I right or am (laughs) I wrong? And then she got empowered and they didn't give her anything, a lick of airtime. They had her going around doing all the little dirty work. And now nobody even likes her and the other people. They're the like, czar
1: of everything. What do you mean? They didn't give her responsibility. She's, she's the, the, she are, the AIs are. everything bagel. Only she's the everything czar
2: <laughs> no one knows what Kamala has done. I haven't seen that woman in two years. So nobody knows. And then the other person they chose was Stacey Abrams. I went to a DNC conference, I think it was last year, and they said, our star speaker, the next leader of the party, the keynote, and they was hyping Stacey Abrams up because it was supposed to be her. And then she lost. So they didn't have, they weren't thinking like on a grander scale. They kept making all of these bets. It's kind of like what the finance bros be doing. You're taking all these risky bets. You're playing with people's money. And they should have found them a real person that was actually going to win and stick around.
1: Your original question was uh, Mr. Somebody Else, right? And and who would the somebody else be? Uh, I, I like the idea of a very successful CEO, somebody who, again, knows who run an organization, somebody who grasps capitalism at its core, You know, somebody who knows how to serve the customer by providing a product or service. And there are lots of Democrat potential CEOs now. They probably don't want to take the pay cut. Of uh, you know ninety five or ninety six percent pay cut whatever it would be with Harlan but-
3: Crow running around you don't have to take a pay cut.
1: <laughs> well, he's only funding the one side though. Come on now. <laughs> but it, it it seems like you know. Do you think the DNC should do a better job of asking the question of? Going to, I mean, why don't they do an executive recruiting search? You know, hire a headhunter. We've got a largest corporation uh, that's got a fairly sizable footprint and a, and a large budget and a lot of power. Would you be interested in, right? Well, we can't tell you what it is. You know, maybe do it secretly, but find somebody who aligns with the values, but who has that track record of responsibility and accountability and can make good choices. Long shots of one in the Democratic Party before. Bill Clinton was nothing. You know, he was out of it, right? I don't know when this is
3: gonna air or how it airs next to our monarchy conversation, but it sounds like we're going back towards that direction. Like you all want a smoke filled room where there are some elites who get together and say, hey, this is Local the- The right rooms person. are illegal. Yeah, <laughs>
1: right,
3: <laughs> but in the blue state. so it'd be impossible to choose our leader if you can't smoke inside of them. Okay. Um, no, I- I, Abadi, I am not as down on this process as you seem to be. I think that the choice for a president is always fraught with so many difficulties because it can't be a CEO, because normally those people lack the common touch, like Howard Schultz, who won't let his workers unionize, who like can't convince them that it's a bad idea to begin with if that's what he wants to do, but certainly is trying to prevent them from doing it is going to prove to be a bad PR move. So you have to somehow have the common touch. Somehow I've been around long enough that people know who you are. Somehow I'll be able to build a very large network of supporters, potentially a patronage network in order to get as far as you need to get. Like there are 10 boxes that need to be checked that have nothing to do with being a CEO. And so I think given the process that we've had for our side, at least we've emerged with a candidate who has won before, who has won on several presidential tickets at this point and who has done not a bad job. And so I actually think. We got four more years of him. Like, is the country going to be in a far worse place because Joe Biden was re elected president? Andrew and Jeff, you hold your comments for a moment. For, <laughs> but for those of us who believe in his policies and broadly what he does, the country is going to be in a much better place with four more years of Joe Biden.
1: I, fe- I feel right. like I'm having my grandfather tell me that, you know what, these llama beans, they will not kill you. These yeah, llama beans are going to give you the basic nutrition that you need to not die of starvation. And I, you know, the lima beans are really old. I know. OK, they are well past their prime, but they are still lima beans, y'all. And if you just eat your lima beans, uh, everything's is going to be not too bad.
2: And that's a pretty
3: good place to be in a democracy back to where
1: we were. Not too bad.
2: No, no, no. <laughs> I can say at least yes on that.
1: Brussels sprouts, they put, you know, bacon and bacon fat. <laughs> well,
0: <you> know, <laughs> uh, there's no amount of bacon fat or bacon <laughs> that can make Brussels sprouts not make you wish you were dead. Bacon, they may not kill German, you, but they'll make you wish
1: you were maple dead. syrup. anything. I mean, you oh. know, add something.
0: <laughs> if you would like to be a part of the debate, email us. The debate at newsweek.com. After being a staple in American media for over 90 years, Newsweek now brings you an exceptional lineup of podcasts. The debate. They'll
1: recognize how these policies aren't working. They'll feel the pain and they'll change their behavior. The Josh Hammer Show.
0: Restore the principles and the political paradigms of the American founding. The Crystal Knight Show.
2: Just because officers are black... Doesn't mean that the policing system still isn't inherently racist. Fast women. Chevy's actually doing really well and Honda's really not. Wow. Wow. Which is like
0: the opposite of most
2: people's perception of them. It is.
0: The parting shot.
3: Every year when the new nominations are announced, I get this excited,
0: nostalgic feeling and it brings out that little kid in me who just loved movies. The Royal Report.
3: Harry and Meghan's head of comms has announced they now move forward to their kind of future
1: outside the royal family.
0: Newsweek Podcast. New episodes drop weekly. Download or listen now at newsweek.com or wherever you get your podcasts.